ಅರುಣಪ್ರಶ್ನೆಯಿಂದ but before i delve into the details of the aruna prashna on my presentation i would like to give some introduction to vedic uh, vangmayam uh, just to you know bring all the diversified audience onto the same context uh, so that you know the subsequent uh, information that i provide you know make more sense to all of you so let me uh, tell you about the outline today and the part of the introduction i would like to talk about the vedas and vedangas most importantly the pramanas and darshanas and finally the mimamsakas and apurva then i will talk about the aruna prashna details of aruna prashna uh, where exactly it is located in uh, what vedam and what are the benefits and who does and why next i'll talk about the journey and what made this research this way uh, then i talk about the topics of the book that i covered then i'll talk about one of these such topics uh, that's basically the gurutvakarshana that's gravity then i'll talk about the my conclusions and where do we go from here so we all know that we have got four vedas namely the rigveda yajurveda samaveda atharvaveda that's called vedam however each vedam has got four parts to it first part is a samhita the main text and brahmana then the brahmana is also actually talks about the uh, um, rituals and the processes a little bit then comes to the aranyaka which is more details and very exhaustive how to perform an yagna and also this aranyakam has got the discussions of various munis rishis and their disciples then lastly comes the upanishads which is also called as gnana uh, kanda uh, which is for the uh, uh, self realization or liberation or atma sakshatkar whatever you call but it is just to realize yourself apart from this veda to understand this vedas we have got vedangas it's also called limbs of veda namely shiksha which talks about the phonetics and pronunciation then talks about then comes to kalpa uh, the kalpa is nothing but uh, the uh, process to perform an yagna then is vyakarana it is a grammar portion of it uh, then comes to the nirukta etymology of words how to use what word and when and how chandas it's a meter and consists of rules for proper reading and reciting the vedic text then jyotisha Uh, it is an astronomy uh, details of cosmic objects their positions and things like that to it is only to set the right auspicious time to perform a particular yagna it is completely it is different from the astrology the way you to do it today like a kundali and all that stuff for a personal level but it is mostly but uh, this particular jyotisha is at the cosmic level to put the auspicious time for performing the ritual strictly then comes to pramanas we have got pramanas to accept fact 
So the etymology of Vedic philosophical tradition is based on six knowledge systems. It's not just one. We have got six knowledge systems. Those are all called pramanas. The first one being pratyaksha. Everyone knows, like a sensory or extended sensory perception. Then comes to the anumana, the reason, what could have happened. Upamana, comparison and analogy. Shabda, the testimony of past experts or Vedic texts. Arthapati, circumstantial implications. Anupalabdi. Negative perception. Out of all these pramanas, science is based on pratyaksha and anumana only. So that's where we have to have all this knowledge and all these pramanas also keep in mind to analyze our scriptures. Next one is darshanas. So our ancient rishis tried understanding the whole universe in the different levels. So in Sanatana Dharma, there are six darshanas or schools of philosophy. One is being Nyaya. Next one is Vaisheshika, Samkhya, Yoga, Uramimamsa, and Uttaramimamsa. All these schools basically talked about, mostly deals with the existence and nature of Brahman, nature and Jivatma, nature of Jagat, and Moksha or liberation. I'm not going to talk about any of this in detail. Only point I would like to make here is, I would like to talk about the Mimamsa a little bit, because I am a Mimamsika. I am, I, my, all my research is basically uh, the, the uh, Mimamsa standpoint only, I analyze this one. That's why I put this slide. <clears throat> we will see what is Mimamsika and what is the Apuva related to their philosophy. For Mimamsikas, Veda is Anadi, that's timeless. Secondly, it is Apaurishaya. It is unauthorized by anyone. Next one is Swataha Pramanya, valid in and of itself. And it is the most important and infallible Shakta. So that's the take of Mimamsas and Vedas. <clears throat> then comes Apurva. They believe in Apurva. What is Apurva? Apurva means the results of actions that are physically not perceived at the time of performing the actions, but give physically perceived results in future. To give a best example, Dasaratha Maharaja in Ramayana time performed the Uttrakamishti Yagam. But during the Yagam, performing the Yagam or preparation for the Yagam, he did not have any children or did not see how it happens. But it did happen after some time. So we, we know the story of, you know, the Agni Pursha came and gave the Ambrosia and he gave all three, his, uh, all of his three wives and they have got four children, right? So, but that is the Apurva. You don't have any relevance, you don't see any relevance during this time of Ignya about this uh, progeny, right? So that's the Apurva. And they believe, they, they stand with that. And all my interpretations and analysis of my book is based on Mimazka standpoint. Then I talk about the Aruna Prashna as Aruna Prashna is actually in the Yajurveda Taitrika Shaka Aranyakam. More precisely, it is Krishna Yajurveda Taitrika Shaka Aranyakam. It contained, contains around 32 Anuvakas, housing 100, 132 Panchatis. Panchatis is nothing but Veda Mantras. The mantras of uh, Arunam or uh, Aruna Prashna is deals largely with Surya Upasana. And that's why it's called Surya Upanishad. And it is conventionally practiced for various purposes, 
such as life enhancement, removal of eye disorder, management of untimely health, progeny, and whatnot. And in this one, a wide variety of subjects are covered, but I'm only covering very few. Um, then I will discuss about them uh, in, in future slides. Now, here my research. <laughs> my research has got some tough questions I asked, you know, when I'm reading this book. Um, so I have been practicing this uh, Aruna Prashna. I was first introduced to this Aruna Prashna in 2005. Um, however, in 2017, I thought I posted myself a few tough questions. First question is, and Aruna Prashna starts with a mantra, Madrangane Sruniyamadevaha Madrambase Maksha Pirejatraha. That mantram starts. So all it's saying is, you have to have impeccable eyesight, impeccable ear, uh, listening skills, and impeccable skin. Basically, all it talks about is everything is impeccable uh, senses. That's fine. Everyone needs it. But the Shanti Mantram is also the same mantra. And so then I said, oh, there is something very interesting about this particular Rana Prashna. Uh, then I then I started pursuing very closely, word to word for word. Then I realized it has got, as the name says, is Prashna, it is full of questions. Somebody will be asking a question to a, one of the rishis, and he will be answering. So there are questions, there are discussions, there are conclusions, and also there is open-ended, uh, what do you call, uh, 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 next steps. I mean, you you research it further. So they will leave it like, like open-ended. So it, I found it very interesting. It may not be nece not necessarily it is completely new or strange, but what is strange to me is, or interesting to me is, when you do the offerings to the Ignya, you also chant the question. <laughs> and also you chant the discussion and you put Havis uh, like you know the offerings to the Ignya. When they conclude something, you offer. When they when they when they post more questions for further research, then also you will offer. He said, this is something different. You know, I mean, usually what we that is we just offer something to the, you know, out of gratitude or emotional gratitude, more number of stuff to the God and ask some boons. But this is this is something different. You will ask questions and you offer something. And finally you do something. I said interesting. Let, let me pursue it further. So that's a that's a very interesting thing about the Sharana Prashnas or even for Rudra Prashna or any other Prashnas in Vedapangmayam. Then I realized how do I analyze this one? I have got all this, so many scholars all around and since ages they have been trying to communicate, I mean, you know, they translate it for us and interpret it for us and there are so many commentaries and all that. I started looking at four different versions, two four different people's interpretation, starting with Shainacharya, Bhaskara. Um, what I found, I mean, then I said, I need a framework to analyze each mantra. It is not like, you know, I read, 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 and just memorize and just spit it out. That doesn't work. Then I came up with a framework to analyze all these mantras. First, every mantra, what is the subject of the mantra? 
so the entire man the problem not problem but the beauty of the sanskrit or mantra is he can place subject in anywhere in the verse he can put object in anywhere in the verse and it sometimes sentence could start with a verb sometimes sometimes mantra can start with an adjective so it is first of everyone first for for any for researcher in depth you know a research one have to identify what is the subject of the mantra that's the main thing so then it could be anything like astronomy agriculture medicine sun gravity anatomy what not anything but you should identify the subject once you identify the subject you cannot just conclude something so what should be done so you should know in many as much as possible about the subject so study as much as possible on the subject where so shastras like vedas vedangas puranas itihasas and especially modern science because we are in the modern modern science generation so there are so once we acquire all the knowledge related to the subject then apply that known knowledge or acquired knowledge to the mantra so if for example if you talk about a prahaspati some mantra somewhere prahaspati is a subject then you should know all the solar system and where exactly prahaspati is positioned what is his weight how far it is from sun um, and what is the relative position uh, relative distances of all others all other planets and things like that and as much as possible then only you will better and you will understand the mantra related to the prahaspati then and another thing is additional knowledge sources this is also very important one is the culture history law of the land geography weather patterns etc because at one time something can be applicable or makes more sense and today it may not make sense so that's why you need to know the history um what i mean for example when you analyze about the rivers of uh, rivers in india you should know the history of uh, those rivers sometimes a river may be mentioned it may not be it may, it may not have it today but if you dig into puranas itihasas and other other related scriptures you may find evidences then you can start uh, digging for the research further into that uh, you know the vanished uh, you know uh, rivers so <clears throat> now i will explain uh, you know the, the the framework importance of the framework with an example i'm i'm not going to hurt anybody i'm not going to you know the, uh, you know teach them anybody but the, the dangers of interpretation misinterpretation I just let let like highlight this one mantra we all know this mantra the gauri me maya salela nidakshati egapadi dipadisa chaduspati ashtapadi navapadi bhubushi sahasrakshavarame vyomanne this mantra is in rigveda and also in krishna yajurveda so i analyzed four different people's interpretation so start with the griffith ralph t h griffith sainacharya and asrarangacharya and dr tulsira says so i said when you take a mantra you have to identify the subject what is the subject in this case the subject is gauri so the the the, the dictionary meaning of gauri one of the one of the meanings dictionary meanings of gauri is buffalo or a cow and 
another meaning is walk then other meaning is a light ray of light so griffith with his limited knowledge i would say because he if he if he has studied the vedangas he won't he niruktan he won't interpret this way but he put the buffalo as the uh, subject and context i did not understand his context and for padas padas he put literal meaning pad is foot and he put foot and salilam he took as regular water like like waters are more um, gradually if you call it flood waters then he interpreted the mantra as i given below we'll we'll come to that later whereas a sainacharya he took the meaning of our gauri as subject as walk in walk has got four stages to it para pashyanti madhyama vaikari out of this all these stages of all four stages he took gauri as the madhyama walk that para is the, the very beginning and para pashyanti means is the formulation of the thought and madhyama is the medium and vaikari is finally the receiving end but in a nutshell but he took the madhyama part of the walk and he gave the interpretation so basically what is the context is the origin of the sound and the spread of divine walk and padas he took as directions and salilam he interpreted as uh, primordial waters so there is a divine walk in the heavens and it comes down all the way to the receiver and when it is coming it spreads into all the directions like north east i mean east north west and south as well as uh, pradeshas like uh, north east south west and things like that eight and above and below this is a total 10 and also it's in uh, navapadi navapadi he put as a new directions whereas ralf put navais as a nine if literally nine so in the tulsi ram took the consciousness light of consciousness and he interpreted his own way uh, which is which makes all may which makes lot of sense as well but if you look at if you look at the misinterpretations look at the interpretation of mr griffith forming the what the buffalo uh, have lowered uh, his foot one footed two footed four footed and who have become eight footed Or nine foot, have got nine feet. The thousand celebrate the sublimest heavens. If anybody understands this one, I, I appreciate them. But I did not understand anything out of it. I don't know the relevance between the floods versus nine-legged cow. Anyway, that's it. So the next topic is. So this is the, all I wanted to know. I uh, tell you is the. The, the the when how careful you got to be when you interpret this vedas uh, each mantra has got so much to it uh, which i will reveal it later and uh, for few mantras um, first this uh, aruna prashna is is not science in aruna prashna it is science of aruna prashna uh, this well we will discuss uh, uh, scientific topics from the drishti of aruna prashna only the purpose of this speak is not to show concordance between the science and aruna prashna but to present aruna prashna aruna prashna's drishti on the scientific topics so the title is science of aruna prashna so the topics that i covered in my book 
So, I can, I, as I said, Arunama has got Aruna Krishna has got so many scientific concepts, but I restricted myself only to present only six of six of them. One is a Bhumi, Vayu Mandalam, Bhumi is Earth, Vayu Mandalam atmosphere, Varsha the rains, Gurutvagarshana gravity, Shuri Rishmi the electromagnetic radiation, Yajnana Bandhu is quantum entanglement. Um, Bhumi, and when, when I talk about the Bhumi, I talked about how the Bhumi is formed and what was the earlier stage before what, I mean, to whatever we see today, uh, how it uh, could have been or whatever, my interpretation. And I came up with a model, uh, uh, the evolution of Earth. And why Mandalam is nothing but the atmosphere. Like we have got all these layers, right? Strato, tropo, tropo, strato, you know, all that layers. And Vedam also talks about a lot of layers and that I put together. And same with the Varsha, and we all know the water cycle. And uh, uh, Aruna Krishna is also talked about uh, very vastly about a very, um, very not I cannot say it's too many details, but uh, very interesting uh, mantras about the rain. And uh, today's topic, Gurudvakarshana, uh, the gravity. And also Surya Rasmi talks about the electromagnetic radiation and all kinds of stuff about the electromagnetic radiation. Uh, uh, their properties and then bandwidth and things like that. And finally, Yajnanabandhu, the quantum entanglement. The purpose, uh, and, and, and this one is why, what, how, it is, uh, it is my hypothesis, uh, then what, why an Ignya will give you a particular results in a, a, when you perform in a particular way. And also, I talk about the principles one have to undergo uh, to perform the Ignya to start with. So, all that kind of things. So I will link all this uh, in the Gnanabandhu chapter. Now, we, before we talk about gravity, we cannot miss two uh, two people. One is in Newton, the other one is Einstein. I will start with Newton, then I will go to Einstein, and then I will talk about uh, our ancient Rusis, what they talked about, the um, Gurutvakarshanam. And gravity in, in in just in Aruna Prashna. Remember, Aruna Prashna is very small compared to the uh, compared to the what we have uh, in Avadam and as a as a whole thing. Uh, in that particular part, a small portion only. I took very limited mantras, uh, very selected, and I ex tried explaining as much as possible out of those mantras only. Uh, but there will be definitely more mantras which I know already. But I don't want to get into those mantras which are outside of Aruna Prashna. It is strictly uh, Aruna Prashna perspective, and I have a purpose. Uh, I will I will reveal it later. So we know about Newton and his apple. Uh, you know there are so many stories uh, running around. Uh, we talked about Newton, uh, but out of all these you know fancy uh, stories. Uh, I consider uh, one particular uh, uh, this thing. In 1972, William Stuckley is a friend of Newton, published a handwritten manuscript about Isaac Newton's life. According to his manuscript, he contemplated this way. Why should that apple always descend perpendicular to the ground? Why it is not so, not, not go sideways or upwards, but constantly to the center of the earth? Assuredly, the reason is he 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 concluded that I should I mean at least he contemplated that the reason is that the, at the drasan there must be a drawing power in matter. That's in a nutshell. That's what the manuscript says. This is this is Newton's. 
after 200 years after newton um in 1916 paper in general relativity einstein came up with gravity is not a force there is no force setting called gravity but gravity is a consequence of fabric nature of space and gravity is a consequence of uneven distribution of mass and energy in space space is like a fabric that holds cosmic objects heavier objects pull more deeper into the fabric than the lighter objects this space time fabric is constantly changing due to the continuous motion of matter and energy in the universe that's what he said if you look at these diagrams first we look at the diagram in the bottom in the bottom you have got three objects placed on a uh, a sheet kind of thing one is heavier in the heavier eye object uh, the green in color it's pulled more deeper into it compared to the red and the uh, what is that dark yellowish uh, color object so if more heavier objects will be more uh, it will be uh, more deeper into the same uh, the cloth if you call yeah. so it is since of fabric it sense places like a fabric it will be going more down to it and if you see it's a this is there's a dip so since there is a dip all others will be all other small objects will be uh, in connection with them in in connection with the uh, the heavier object but however this is only to make people understand what is you know the what is the um, what is the pull however the diagram above actually shows the real picture of gravity snapshot of gravity because gravity is dynamic so it's a snapshot of uh, you know uh, gravity where it actually pulls from all sides it's not just one side if you see the below it is misleading misleading because deceiving because it is all we always think gravity is always down it's not not it is from all sides so somebody is nicely put uh, now so this is natural i'm not going to explain all the details about the gravity and things like that but this is the high level this is what we know about gravity from two uh, scientists one is newton the other one is einstein now let's see what our scriptures especially the arun prashna talked about it the scientist for us for for in our arun prashna is vatsamahamuni uh, he is i mean arun prashna talks about more than 40 plus or 32 plus uh, rishis names out of that vatsamahamuni talks about the topic of gravity so and as you see the picture i mean i took it from uh, you know the uh, internet but the thing is it's very appropriate because the rishis are i mean the his disciples uh, sitting uh, and asking questions in explaining very nicely uh, you know this is the environment we have to imagine for the rest of the mantras because that is how it going to be i may chant a little bit to get the sense um ಸೂರ್ಯೇ ಸಮಾಹಿತ ಸೋ ದಟ್ಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ 
all it said is it asked four questions <laughs> where are the units of time such as minute hour day and night fortnight month seasons and year are it residing where are they and where are these water bearing clouds are clouds are residing where are, and where are these waters sometimes go that's the literal meaning of literal meaning of this verses basically there are questions and veda answered its own way if you literally take it all the units of our our periods reside in the apaha water reside in sun rays water evaporates by sun rays forming clouds the lightning resides in the sun rays that's the literal meaning of this verses the third one makes sense because we all know that water evaporates by sun rays forming clouds but all other three it will strange to us because what is this time units residing in apaha apaha generally we talk about water and that means all the time unit units of time is residing in water then where is the water water resides in sun rays that's a bit absurd to us because we know that you know we have got eight sources of water to store water like oceans rivers lakes uh, canals and things like that but it is it is something different and finally the last one is um, the lightning resides in the sun rays what is that means so we will see two uh, first we will see the how to understand how to interpret it traditionally how it is done in the past and then i will post my uh, perspective so traditional interpretation is observe the time to observe the time aruna prashna considers three things one is rotation revolution and water cycle rotation gives day and subunits of day and revolution gives month seasons and year it makes sense we all know that now since the seasonal time changes observed through clouds and water cycle they concluded that time is residing in actual waters they observed that the clouds are formed by evaporation of water by the sun rays and concluded water resides in sun rays arud prashna also mentions that lightning is due to sun rays and it says lightning is also within sun rays this is traditional way of understanding because the interpretations are actually given this way like saina starting from saina charya now let's look at my perspective as i said aruna prashna is main purpose is not to explain scientific concepts its main focus is the aruna gaitaka yagna so the narration will not be same as the as we expect out of the science book it's all about creation of as this is what i said we'll create a microcosm and we entangle with with the macrocosm that's the whole thing during the ritual ritviks and ejamani who actually really is the uh, performing the yagna recollects all the knowledge related to creation and sustenance of the universe at a high level and solar uh, and the solar system and mother earth in lot more details because we are we live on earth and we are performing the yagna on earth 
and we would like to have boons on earth or for earth so at the high level we'll talk about um, Aranam talks about the cosmos like you know how the universe is evolved and how it is sustaining then more details about the mother earth so it is my intention to know the signs it is revealing within these mantras while performing the ignya so there as i said there are a lot of discussions and why and i would like to talk or think about the signs do over those you know the, the questions and the subject of the mantras that i i mean uh, uh, you know chanted just now is the subject is time nothing to do with the gravity yet it is just purely on time but however the clouds it also described about clouds right we will talk about the clouds in the later version of the mantras and for now the subject is time those water cycle and cloud is part of gravity as i explain later okay the set of mantras i took is from one anvakam so one only one anvakam the same anvakam but first portion talks about time next portion talks about gravity so this is my interpretation why i am talking about time subject and i will give you explanation about the subject if there is no observable change then there is no time in si system a second is defined as a unit right 9.1 billionth part of cesium atom at ground level hyperfine transition frequency that's the, uh, that's how we took the uh, standard for time a second and naruda prasna we have two meanings to apa one is primordial water and other one is regular waters primordial waters talks about all units of time submerged in it and regular waters talks about the clouds and water cycle and here okay when i say when i claim that apaha is primordial water what does it really mean do we have any pramana for that that's why i talked about the pramanas in the earlier because pramanas is very important and i have a pramana to uh, back my claim abhava idamangre salilamasit that's the pramana in the very beginning the whole existence or all these waters that in the state of salilam the primordial waters sainacharya very clearly mentioned that the salilam and i discussed in details in the chapter of the chapter so here i would like to make one point is the primordial water that i took phrase i took i believe that what i am talking about salilam is the same as primordial water if the primordial waters is something different i want to know that because my 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 understanding of primordial waters is the way i'm looking at i am interpreting the word salilam if these two are different i would like to stick with the word salilam there is i, I mean i don't know the there is any equivalent uh, for the word salilam so the time on all units of time are in primordial water salilam in space time so now where is the salilam is basically the space time um so that the time is 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 in is is a part and parcel of the space time let's go to the other mantras here we got to imagine that a little bit um 
so as i saw i've shown you in the mantra in the previous mantra they talked about the water cycle how nice the clouds are and things like that and they are in the, in the first base anavarne me bhume yam jaso jarodasi they are just joyful to look at the wonderful clouds on the in the sky which actually nourish all the beings on the earth so they just looked at it and they felt so nice and they asked the sense so then then came to the other mantras so vatsamahamuni already answered certain questions now more questions more follow up questions it just never I mean, as i said it's aruna prashna there will be romani questions and follow up questions so the follow up questions is then once they saw the beautiful you know the atmosphere with the all the clouds and i appreciate the clouds you know nourishing the uh, all the beings then they asked a question or several questions um ಮಂತ್ರೋಲ್ಡಿಂಗ್ what is in between earth and the heaven here heaven and sky is one and the same it, it is just interchangeably used so what is that holding earth and sky together and what is it in between the heaven and earth then vatsa mahamuni the way i mentioned this one vatsa mahamuni with his experience states that vishnu is the one holding earth and sky vishnu with is all his pervading nature he is in between earth and heaven earth and sky together providing food and medicine for all beings vishnu holds the earth and sky together strongly with his threads like rays from all sides abhito 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 means all sides it is not like you know as i shown you earlier as explained it is not just one side from all side it is holding what it is holding earth and the atmosphere and the heavens or sky or atmosphere whatever you call so these two are together from all sides and he named that vishnu is it is he she or it i don't know that is vishnu we will see more details uh, uh, in in this one but the thing is why did they ask this question why did they ask this question the question they asked is the observation as i said they know water cycle water is evaporating and forming clouds and condensation took place and uh, down pouring rain i mean it's very simple cycle but the question they asked is okay water is water vapor is going up forming clouds and it stays at certain elevation why why it is not going indefinitely away from the earth that's the question that's a valid question so if it is indefinitely goes beyond earth away far away from earth there are no there is no no rains so that's the why they ask the question what is actually holding the clouds moving indefinitely away from earth since then more follow up questions since he answered the questions they were self motivated and pouring more more number of questions let's see 
ಎಂದೆಂದ್ ವಿಷ್ಣೋರ್ ಬಲಂ ಆಹುಹು ಕಾಧಿಷ್ಠಿಕ್ಕಿಂ ಪರಾಯಣಂ ಹೇಗೋ ಎಂದಾರಯನ್ ದೇವ ರೇದ್ಯಸಿ ರೋಜಸಿ ಉಭೇ ಏಗೋ ಉಭೇ ಯದ್ ವಿಷ್ಣೋರೇಖ ಮುತ್ತಮಂ ಅಗ್ನಯೋ ವಾಯವನ್ ಜೀವಾ ಏತದಂಜ ಪರಾಯಣಂ ವೆರಿ ಸಿಂಪಲ್ ದೇ ಆಸ್ ದ ಕ್ವಶನ್ ಓಕೆ ವಿ ಅಂಡರ್ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ ವಿ ಅಗ್ರಿ ದಟ್ ವಿಷ್ಣು ಇಸ್ ದ ಒನ್ ಹೋಲ್ಡಿಂಗ್ ಅರ್ಥ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಿ ಸ್ಕೈ ಟುಗೆದರ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಆಲ್ ಸೈಡ್ಸ್ ವಿ ಅಗ್ರಿ but where is he getting his strength to hold that earth and sky and vatsavahamani here here he is the distinction earlier he said vedana vedana means his experience like you know manovedana is our own experience so manovedana for others so manovedana is your own your own our own madama this thing so here vedana means he shows with his out of his experience he told it is vishnu then when they ask the question what is where is he getting his strength then he said as per the ancestors oh vishnu's strength and capacity to hold earth and sky in place comes from vataha or vataha is plural vataha winds or vayu then more follow up questions where does the rays of light that vishnu uses to hold the universe coming from as i said vishnu is holding this from all sides right then they asked okay where is that is coming from we are all getting this i mean there are multiple interpretations for this light one is just light other one is consciousness and other one is electromagnetic radiation and what not but they asked the simple question where does the right of light vishnu uses hold the universe then he and and another last question they asked is who are vishnu's helpers for both of them he said as per ancestors it is indestructible these it, these are these rays are indestructible and vishnu possesses light of the entire universe so now we need to contemplate on what exactly that indestructible rays akshara deepruchate okay next one is vishnu's helpers then simply he says various agnis such as arunaketuka agni and the associated vayu friends and all devatas are vishnu's helpers so who are all these as per our this thing we have got vayu god and agni god in space so the diagram actually shows um avranikalli there we put the uh, vayu god and agni devata and vayu devata and they represent the space time fabric as well as the energy that inseparable energy what you call so in uh, within the within the space time so now <laughs> so this is this is my as per our my my methodology this is subject context and object so he is talking about the vishnu gravity context is space time and the the object is bhumi bhumi is the second vachana divachana uh, so it has got a bhumi as well as sky or heaven and here we have got the interesting words but that i interpreted vata as winds mayoka is rays vishnu is several several names several meanings to vishnu we have got the vishnu sahasranama he has got thousand different aspects of vishnu on the almighty all pervading and 
the the alternate interpretations that i used vataha i know we all know that there are no winds outside the atmosphere of earth outside the earth vicinity so what is this what is this winds are coming what is this winds he is talking about i believe that it is he is talking about the media with full of uh, you know troughs and peaks and troughs which will actually facilitate like the, which has got the waves like the way we see we observe in the ocean mayukai even sainacharya there uh, sainacharya mentioned that it is like you know thread mayukai he is, he is observed as a thread and uh, um challa narasimha shastri garu mentioned that was as a nails iron nails actually so it is holding the sun rays are like iron nails where it actually hold it is holding the earth and sky pretty uh, tight and keeping it in place and vishnu who we we have got is an omnipresent uh yes nadi the vishnu who vishnu who vishita vishitaha bhavati visati vishnu who simply he is stays there he is everywhere and if his new space is created he will pervade there he will we will go first so this are all more or less explained in the in the earth chapter um, because various aspects of vishnu is covered in this uh, in this arda prashna and each aspect is different uh, so i tried my best to put together the meanings uh, i mean you know appropriate interpretations in respect to chapters then so this is my summary of what i understood out of this thing vishnu the gravity is holding earth and heaven when i say heaven the clouds plus all other atmosphere layers what actually you know the protects the earth from the dangerous uh, cosmic radiation and vishnu the gravity is holding the earth and heaven from all sides abhitaha vishnu strengths come from the vataha strengths come from the medium with peaks and troughs of waves that to hold the uh, whole creation vishnu holds these bodies in place using mayokas which are indestructible and primordial energy source in the universe various agnis and vayus okay here i simply put the quantum fields but i studied quantum field uh, qft uh, in a pretty closely what i believe is because now we know the science knows at least hypothesis is most part it's full of fields various fields um i believe what he is talking about is the quantum fields quantum fields are the actually known fields i don't know um so i i put together like you know spasmodic is full of you know the um, fields uh, gravitational fields next one is vatsamahamuni mentioned this knowledge okay here is the point okay vatsamahamuni mentioned this knowledge is passed on to him by lineage neither he mentioned that are specific names not he claimed uh, as is shown you know that holding the uh, integrity of our uh, no plagiarism as such the knowledge is already available so when he referred somebody it is coming from ages like a lineage that means all this knowledge is already available for this krishna yajurveda aranyakam when exactly who exactly told this one no one knows there is at least there is no proof 
around that question within Karuna Krishna. It has been passed on from generations before this Karuna uh, Krishna put together. So now I'll ask one question. One question. One question is: Are there any other sources of knowledge which talks about gravity, rotation, and space-time? I know there are so many uh, different places where we have got some references, and I mentioned some some of them in my book in the introduction. However, I'll show you one interesting thing, which we all know: Vishnu in Varahavatar. I know we talked about when the Vishnu we have Vishnu has got so many incarnations. It, it starts uh, start about uh, Matsya, uh, then he goes to uh, Kurma, then he goes to Varaha, then he goes to Narasimha, then he goes to Vamana, Rama, Krishna, and things like that. Um, but here is very interesting uh, thing, and my observations also I put together on the slide. When you observe this one, Earth is already round in shape. Vishnu is standing in fabric-like space because these waters. Waters are residing on Earth, so what is this waters actual look? Uh, you know, uh, uh, telling us. I think this one. I believe this one is the space time uh, with all these peaks and troughs. And there are Kavi actually the poets actually interpreted this avatar so so many ways. I'm not going to any of the details of this part of us, but observe that Earth is free to rotate. And his tusks and the trunk combination. In prana also, the earth is actually rotating on his trunk and tusks. Help, the rotation never stopped. Then the last thing is, Vishnu is also free to move. He is because he is a person. He put it in the waters. He is free to move within this water. So that's the artistic way of. Uh, explaining or portraying uh, the um, ability to move uh, in the space-time. So, Arthi is free to move on his tracks with the with his uh, with the gravity, and all objects are also free to move in the space-time. So that's what I observe. Um, of course, as I said, there are so many people described in so many ways, so many uh, different dimensions. And I think the last slide is the conclusion slide. So, what is the purpose of this one, and where to go from here? As I mentioned in earlier, the Gauri Mimaya Salilana Takshiti Mantra, we can interpret the same mantra. With the different domains, so to seek the commonality in different domains that will allow cross pollination of ideas across domains, at the main one of the main main purposes of the research. And of course, we have to do more research on several mantras. It is not that every mantra has got this flexibility. Some are very straightforward and you cannot change it, but some of them has a scope. So we identify those mantras. And we analyze in different domains and try to understand what the value actually trying to reveal, and then to inspire scientists to pursue our scriptures and bring out Vedic knowledge. When I said scientists, those are basically the experts of respect to topic. When I talked about the Earth chapter, a geologist should endorse or do research or a uh, 
what these mantras actually talked about it and how to make more meaningful interpretation uh, to better understand the intention or the, the, the knowledge behind the yeah. mantra. Same thing with when I talked about the Varsha, same geologist may not help everything, but we need to relevant and atmosphere and environmental engineers to come in and pitch their knowledge and understand this uh, this with Vedic, Vedic verses. Same thing with uh, gravity, physicists has to come in, astrophysicists to come in, things like that. When you come to the, the, the quantum mechanics or quantum uh, entanglement, quantum mechanics or field theory, those physicists has to come in and add their value and knowledge to this and to better understand these verses. And secondly, the, to encourage educational institutions to introduce Vedic knowledge. It's not, I believe that, you know, not I believe, I am sure, I mean, I never studied in Sanskrit in my uh, younger age uh, in school. But once we start introducing this kind of knowledge, I think that will be greatly, uh, you know, we will know more truths about our Vedic knowledge. And most importantly, we have to bring together the Veda pundits, Sanskrit pundits, and scientists to research on such scientific topics. So why Veda, why Sanskrit pundits? Sanskrit pundits gives you the vyutpatti, or you know how to uh, vyutpatti means the what you call exploring a word or give the new meanings to the uh, same word. Uh, looking at the roots, uh, that's where they help because mantras doesn't change. However, the interpretations could be changing because that's what this whole freshness is all about. And why I need scientists is no one knows all the knowledge about this universe in every every area of the science. So respective scientists has to pitch in and contribute uh, to the to this, uh, to interpret this mantra with the help of other pundits and Sanskrit pundits come together and um, we and give new new uh, mean new interpretations to connect back 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 to the weather uh, scriptures if someone wants to start reading or learning uh, what the meaning of mantras which sitaram ji explained so the, uh, the gauri mantra which he explained where should one start with niruk or with vyakara or with the uh, shiksha or kalpa or all those vedangas are there so from where one must start i mean it's, uh, it, there is no one specific book you have what you all one specific thing you will give you full knowledge no no specific thing will give you full knowledge but you should have a comprehensive idea of all these six because first of all you should know when I said the Siksha, when you said when when you have got the Samhita, you have got the Padapata. So you should know the word. What is the word? What is the Padam? Once you know the Padam, then you should know. Say for example, if it is a three uh, Shabdas word like you know Bhati, whatever you call, you should know what is the verb out of those three letters. This is only one letter. Out of those three letters will give you the things, I mean, other two will, uh, you know, uh, uh, will give you the meaning. So that is very important. Padagnana you should have. That is only comes with the, you know, you have to go with your guru and uh, start reading. I, I think the, the, to start with, to take about any dictionary, 
first you read the dictionaries then you go to the nirukta and it will be very interesting uh, nirukta will give you um, more knowledge about a word rather than the dictionary dictionary will give you so many uh, an alternate meanings also like a synonyms but you do not know how to use where i mean what to use where right so for that you nirukta knowledge will help so the etymology is very important so nirukta is the best place yeah nirukta and dictionary is always used because even if you start with nirukta nirukta talks about so many words that you may not know then you will go back to the dictionary so you start with the nirukta then you go back and forth between the dictionaries and nirukta while uh, you are answering we got a comment from somebody saying that uh, perhaps the first step would be having a guru which would make the process easier so uh, what do you have to say about that guru is very very important i mean without guru you know this knowledge is not as i said i gave you i will give you one analogy what happens without guru how do you know the taste of a banana if you don't eat it if you don't eat it all the knowledge about the bananas is just knowledge it just goes back and forth but you should have the experience you should have you should experience it that experience is will be given by guru because guru is not something he will have and he will give it to you that guru also also has a guru that guru also has a guru so it's not the person who actually actually giving you some knowledge or something it's not the guru guru is an entity that entity has that lineage that lineage comes back to the actual rishi who actually experienced the uh, the mantra's meaning so because of he experienced there is a connection between all these rishis all the way to your your guru whoever it comes to you but he has to be an authentic guru he has to be an acharya who has to practice also so out of all this lineage if somebody is more knowledgeable than actually the practitioner it doesn't matter because he don't have experience he has got everything knows everything about the banana he never tasted banana so i don't really believe in this it's all intellectual entertainment kind of thing they put words over words over words but they just, i mean I, we can you can figure it out uh, you know he is just talking he knows not a words rather than experience so the lineage very important the practice is also very important you have to have certain principles to get through this one so once and also your body your, your actual physical body is also has got lot of knowledge because it's also made of the same elements that universe is made up of so your body also starts resonating when you when you meet your guru and you will absorb more faster quicker in a right direction when you have a guru i mean of course if you talk about just a knowledge you can get more number of books and more interpretations more youtube videos that's good you know that's only so I, it can only take you so far but if you have if you don't have a, if you have a guru uh, that will give you fulfillment you took the him uh, mantra about the time and made a jump about gravity right you, you it's it talked about where does the time reside and uh, what happens to water how does the water reside in the in the in the clouds you took that words and uh, and you you said it's about gravity maybe the next verse where you said the vishnu is uh, holding by rays and that you probably equated to the space time fabric is that what made you to interpret this particular words like for example sanacharya didn't interpret as as a gravity because he he comes from a different background 
similarly tulsi ram garu didn't interpret he went on an adhyatmic way consciousness but you because your purpose is to find the scientific uh, moorings in this one you said this particular verse and subsequent verse are actually an example of gravity that jump uh, was not very clear to to me at least uh, how did you uh, make that jump okay so that's a very good question andy as i said these are all two inseparable things when when einstein came back came with you know the, the theory of general general relativity and talked about the space time space and time are not two different things but it is space and time is one particular uh fourth dimension like a three dimension x y z that's and also a different coordinate in in the space and its location of a space a particular location with respect to time but it is pretty counterintuitive when we when we studied in probably in uh, in the uh, undergrad or uh, 12th graders or when we are in high school okay why it is counterintuitive it is is we because pratyaksha and paroksha doesn't help us intuit that way the einstein did same thing is with mantras this mantra is actually as i said these are all sutras it is very difficult for me to or anybody to visualize the counter intuitive things is that's why it is counter intuitive that the very phrase is counter intuitive because it is not, it is beyond some beyond all our uh, regular uh, you know the, the senses why i concluded this one is time one way he is saying time space time is raining in time space and then he talked about the gravity which is also time space but these two are two different time spaces not necessarily because it is the same mantra it is the same dialogues it is the same conversation just flowing from one question to the another question so it is like a time flow <laughs> so they asked about they started about some observation then they asked some questions with the observation he gave a quick answer then there are follow up questions then they were he went more into details about that question but all these framework of this question and answer is 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 with the space time and time and gravity so even they, he explained time very clearly gravity very clearly but both are linked with the space time because the time is in residing in apaha that uh, salilam and gravity is more intuitive in, in terms of when we talk about the when you talk about uh, physical objects like earth and sky there is a gravity but he also mentioned about this the counterintuitive thing where earth and how earth and cloud uh, clouds are together very tightly in between there is vishnu and above this also vishnu he is also he is on all sides he is protecting from all sides even though that is nothing to do with the time but this is also space time this is also space time so then i combined these two as one concept two objects and distinctly explain and combine it together hope that answered you i know it is it is tough but uh, that's that's my i've gone back to actually formally studying sanskrit after i stopped when i was 15 now after 55 years i have started again and now i am understanding it better than i understood when i was 15 years old so when he said you have to identify the padas you have to identify the kriya pad 
now it makes a whole lot more sense to pick up a word and say, oh, this is what it means and this is where it comes from. And this is why the name makes sense, which I don't find in most languages. Because I do study about seven other languages. So I don't find it in any of those, but I do find it in Sanskrit. So uh, we know that we have all this knowledge and everything. We know it's buried, some it's open. We all know the reason why I think it's there, right? What is the effort of uh, effort of things right? What, that needs to be done beyond just understand the meaning of, let's say, these hymns or uh, in the rituals or something, right? That probably we can take it. I don't know to be uh, to, which can be used to mankind basically, or basically where I'm going with that is extending beyond just understand the meaning. How is it useful to society? How can we bring it together? Right? Are you aware of any works or something that has been going on that has been done? Maybe introduce uh, a concept like this, or probably in a curriculum or something in universities that can spur actually some interest or motivation within the people. Otherwise, okay, we know the meaning. Okay, you understand. You read it. So so on. Beyond that. Yeah, I think a lot of research is going on. Uh, I think IIT yeah. Kharkapur has got. Uh... Uh, some plans and a lot of people are working on it uh, to you know prepare some curriculum where it can be introduced in the um, high school or uh, middle school or high school uh, from middle school and high school so that you know uh, as a parallelly they will study all these our scriptures because our scriptures is not a simple thing as i said and the example mm -hmm. you cannot just put the dictionary and just pick one word for out of 10 meanings uh, for one word and just keep translating what the way we want but it got to be a framework uh, meaningful meaning has to come up and everyone has to agree because these rishi as i said there got to be a lot of discussions before we conclude anything when you make a statement in vedas doesn't agree that you know my way is a highway kind of thing there will be questions and we will do answers then we'll be counter questions then they have to give the answers so I don't, I mean, all Vedavantras has to be discussed very thoroughly and together a curriculum, definitely, as you said. And I think IIT Kharagpur is actually working. And probably Dr. Subhuto Ji actually working on, uh, you know, an excellent as well. And hopefully in future, uh, in near future, uh, you know, we may get uh, some good news uh, that, you know, the Vedic knowledge is also part and parcel of our regular curriculum. So basically, you said, uh, you know, when we look for any kind of a knowledge, we'll, we, we can get that from books. And, uh, you know, if you want to see something, we can get the things from YouTube. Uh, but you said guru, having a guru is a very important thing. So for, you know, a people like me, uh, you know, and maybe people like, you know, many sectors, they're there in US or India. So my question is how to get the guru, you know? Because everyone, everyone wants a guru in their life, right? Yeah. So how to get that? I don't have any clear question, but what I, I can only tell you about myself, because for some reason, gurus came to my life and they just blessed me on their way. So I never intend, I never, in, I never intended to learn Vedas or even including, I mean, I had a passion. I know Sanskrit is a good language, great language, Vedic language, or Devata's language, but I never pursued it. I, I'm, a, I'm a devotee, I'm a bhakta. All my childhood, I devoted most of my time on playing. 
and when i came to us suddenly one priest ramesh rajamani dr ramesh rajamani priest introduced me to you know the namakaman jamakam like sri rudram i just saw and i want i mean you know i felt happy to you know to see that and i asked him can you teach me and he said why not and he gave me one good time auspicious time and i started learning and that is how my journey started even including sangeetam or music also just accident everything is an accident for me so then i learned the advanced version advanced version of vedic chanting like ghana and one i i came to houston i moved to houston then i met a ganapati on the day one i came for an interview and he started teaching me ghana after i moved so i never really seeked for a guru i wanted a guru but it was just came to my life and he just gave me all the boons you know uh, that's a big blessing but what i think is you start from where you know start somewhere reading some sanskrit uh, sanskrit texts like whatever you daily read chant when you in front of your devata try to understand that one and you will have a lot of questions and keep talking to people and they will help you and you finally you will meet your guru and guru guru is always available it's just you should have a right intention and guru will come to you that's what my belief is until you find a guru what are some of the books articles or sites that we can use to understand some of the basic concepts that you covered in the beginning of the presentation to build our way up to understanding so there are a lot of nice videos in the youtube like you know a lot of uh, you know experts actually teaching sanskrit um once you start with one of those whatever you like i know at least over 10 youtube channels that teach you sanskrit you start with sanskrit bharati it's a very good initiation and they have got lot of videos but you have to have patience they have got 200 videos i wrote six books on sanskrit whatever i learn i understand i will first of all i'll write in on a sheet of paper then once i understand i will put neatly on my notes and that is how the sarana prashna actually came up with the sarana prashna uh, this book uh, i worked for 5 years because when i started i don't know what i'm doing about what is my purpose i just started understanding every word and etymology of every word and started writing and i came up with so many uh notions but some of them are wrong i mean so many ideas some of them are completely wrong so then i went back and revisited so for to do that you need to have a lot of patience and once you go to sanskrita bharati i think they are doing a fantastic job you will meet your guru once you start but start with sanskrita bharati and you go from there uh, niruktam is very important eska niruktam eska niruktam is there uh, it's available on the uh, archive.org that will help you a lot